Mandy, God, I told you, just get off of the counter. How am I supposed to reach up there? I can't reach up there. I, I, I don't want you to reach up there, okay? Now please come down off the counter. So what? You're not the boss of me. That doesn't I'm, make you the boss. I am not your boss. I'm not getting paid to do a job. You're a child. You can't work legally, okay? Get off the counter. You're under my roof. I'm not even on it. I bet my toes are touching the floor. But your hands and your bottom are on the I counter. I can't have my hands on the counter. No, because you're going to climb up there, Mandy. Just I'm please. I'm not going to climb up there. I'm just touching it. I'm I don't not climbing. I'm just touching it. I don't want you to climb on there. I don't want you to touch the I counter. I don't really care what you want, so. Well, if you have experienced that in your life, and I know you have, if you're listening to this show, you've experienced that. That's a that's an argument, a strong-willed child talking to the parent. But you're listening to Dear Anger with Rini Jane and Ed Krasnick. Rini coming along in a minute. Um, I want to tell you that this is the show where we talk about anger. Wouldn't it be funny if I said it's dear anger, but we really talk about we talk about frustration and we talk about uh, clothing. Uh, it wouldn't be that kind of a show. It's dear anger, and the reason is that anger is not really discussed. It takes a back seat to everything, especially anxiety, stress. Those are the big ones, but but anger is such a big topic and something that we experience every day, and we don't understand it. So this is a show which actually revolves around how we relate to our anger and how we transform it. And notice how my voice goes down. Uh, my partner is an expert in the field of resilience, uh, anxiety relief, author, founder of GoZen.com, which has so many programs, so, met, so much media, so much information in a fun way it gives you all the science, gives you all the, uh, all the practices, what you can do to transform and relate to all of your, your feelings and all the issues that come up in life. It's really interesting. It's GoZen.com. And the author, the co-author of Superpowered, which is a New York Times bestselling book, which you must get. And so much more. Rini Jane. Rini is the, the, the queen of resilience, I would say. <laughs> I like to be the queen of anything. Thank you for that, Ed. You're welcome. Um, you know, I'm listening to that clip of the girl who wants to climb on the counter, and I'm thinking of two things. I am thinking of myself as a child. I was a strong-willed child. And I'm thinking of my daughter and my whenever my mom is around, you know, we don't live in the same city, but when she visits and she sees my daughter Jasmine and the way she is, she just starts laughing. And she looks at me and she says, what goes around comes around. <laughs> oh, my God. What goes around comes around. Thank you, Mom. And also, uh, get out of my car. Uh, yeah. So that, that, could, that could revolve around uh, some anger. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, tell, me, tell me what was going on. Let's take the kid's perspective for a minute. You're a kid. Can you remember what's going on and that you had this strong will? It's just you, right? It's just how you are. I had a plan in my mind. So, you know, I'm thinking about the girl climbing the counter. I actually used to do that as a kid. Basically, I'm like, I can do this myself. Why do I need help? It didn't even cross my mind that I needed someone else to do it for me. So I would climb up onto the counter, put both my knees, I remember, kind of pull myself up. And then I would even put my feet on the kitchen counter, lovely, right? Stand fully up if something was at the top of the cabinet. 
open the cabinet, pull it out, and bring it down. Now, there was a rule in my house, no standing on the kitchen counters. It's a safety rule. It's also a kind of hygiene. Like you don't want your feet at the place where you're cooking. But in any case, whatever, it was a rule in our house. And I just, it wasn't that I got into the kitchen and I was like, you know what, I'm going to break a rule. It was just, it didn't even cross my mind. In my mind, this was the plan. I was going to reach whatever I needed to get and I was going to do it on my own. And if someone came in to tell me not to do it, that to me, oftentimes, it was like uh, chalk, you know, when you when you scratch your fingernails on chalk, just that grating sound. So what happens a lot of times with strong-willed kids is, and any kid, and, and humans generally don't love to be told what to do all the time, but for a strong-willed child, this is almost unbearable that you're taking from their power bucket, essentially. Okay, so so I'm thinking about two things. This this episode is all about dealing with strong-willed children. Your kid is a strong-willed child. What about the strong-willed child in you? Because my thing about this, about dealing with strong-willed children, I'm going to say the chances are somewhere in you there's a strong-willed child, and that's where the anger comes from. Yeah, I think that you might be onto something. I think there is definitely something that is pushing our buttons that may be going back to our own, you know, our own childhood. And when it comes to a strong-willed child, they if they have any profession, it's they are professional button pushers. I mean, that's what they do. But the thing is is that yeah, maybe you were a strong-willed child or maybe you were a super compliant child. You were a super people-pleasing child and what your strong-willed child is doing is so foreign to you because you're like, what? Or maybe it was something that you you wish you could have had that assertive voice. So, you know, Ed, you and I talk about anger being a form of protection, often sending a message to your mind and your body that you need some kind of protection. And for kids who have a strong will, often that message is something like, hey, your voice needs protection. Your ability to stand in your own opinion needs protection. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely relate to that. Uh, I know that I was a I was I was a people pleasing kid. I was definitely one of those kids. But underneath the people pleasingness was frustration and anger and all kinds of human emotions, as we all have. But you sit on those when you get points for being a people-pleasing kid. You look at the face of your parents, and you see, oh, it's good when I don't need anything from them. And you internalize that message. You get you get a message, and then, you, and then you're like, but if I pretend that I'm good all the time, that'll be, they like that. Absolutely. It's funny. I, I think that when you're being asked to be compliant as a strong-willed kid, it's often like your integrity is almost being compromised. You know, your something is being taken from you that you value so much. And I'm kind of bringing this up and talking about it and really digging into it because one of the only paths to transform this anger that you might feel as a parent if you have a strong-willed child and as i mentioned i'm talking about myself but i also personally at home have two kids who are both strong-willed i know how incredibly frustrating 
it can be if you were, you know, especially when it comes to safety, put your seatbelts on, um, don't jump off the stairs or whatever the safe, don't run in the house around the glass table, whatever the safety rules are that you have in your home that probably make perfect sense in your mind and they're breaking them over and over again, right? And so I know how incredibly frustrating it can be, but one of the only paths to transform this anger is to truly step into what's going on with this child. What is going on? And it doesn't have to be a child. It can be a teen. What is going on with this teen? Yes. What's going on with this? So you're transferring the energy from like, you're being curious about it. You're asking what is really going on and you're not trying to fix what's going on. Yes. Because I think if you ask a parent of a strong-willed child, tell us about your strong-willed child, right? Give us some, some keywords or give us some descriptions. They're going to say, that, uh, you know, they like to do everything for themselves. They're always demanding attention. They're not flexible at all. They don't recognize authority. They don't listen, basically. They are stubborn. They're unpredictable. They're um, overly independent. They're temperamental, right? All these words. And I'm not saying that with any judgment. I am saying that because that's the experience a lot of parents are having. Now, I wonder if we can look at it a different way. You know, can we look at what the strengths of this child are? Can we look at what their experiences and why, you know, if we look at that experience that they're having internally, their internal world, if we're able to step into that, we're really going to be able then to work with our child. Because what happens when we get so angry with our strong-willed child is it just quickly becomes us against them, very quickly. It's a power it's a power struggle instantly. Okay, so I'm a kid, I'm getting up. We heard that clip at the beginning of the show. Kids getting up on the counter. Why? Because they want to. They can. They they they're curious. They know they can do it. Why are they doing it? Okay. So I'm a kid, I'm getting up on the counter. So take me into like what's going on and how you can or or maybe we should talk about this first. How how could you shift that. You know, in the moment, it's really hard because maybe you're activated now, right? All of a sudden, you're triggered as a parent. You've told your child a thousand times not to do this, yet they're doing it again. They don't know they're endangering themselves. So how do you shift it? You are always wanting to be it on their team, essentially. You know, let's not put ourselves in a position, especially with our strong-willed child, of getting into a battle, of taking the bait Almost. It's almost like they're baiting you, right? Don't take the bait and make it me versus my child. This should be us on a team, my child and I, against the problem, right? So the problem is the counter. The counter is high, the ca- the, or the cabin, or whatever they're trying to reach is too high, right? So this is the problem, and they want to do it on their own. Okay, so here that's the setting. As opposed to walking into the situation and being like, not again. My goodness, look at this. They're like defying me again. Right? Not making it personal, saying, Okay, here we go. The cat, you know, that darn cabinet is way too high. It's like it's us against that cabinet. We know you can't stand on the counter. So how are we gonna do this? And making it us versus the problem is one really quick shift. So to enact that, so I'll be uh, your parent. You're getting up on the counter. Okay. So uh, Rini, I told, I told you a million times, what is going on? Do you not listen to me? It's dangerous. 
dad, it's no big deal. I'm just getting on the counter. I'm just getting my stuff. I don't, it's not a big deal. I can do it myself. It's a big deal to me because you're going to hurt yourself. I don't want you to hurt yourself. Can't you understand that? I'm not going to hurt myself. I'm just going up there. I'm just going up there to get something. It's so easy. It's going to be two seconds. Just watch, 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 watch. Okay, you know, you you are going to be in big trouble. If you go up there, you're going to be in very big trouble. Do not do that. Come down now. I'm already up here. You can't do anything. You can't tell me what to do. Stop telling me what to do all the time. Hate all your rules. Okay, so that's very fami- that's a very familiar scenario. Okay, same scenario happening again. The team approach. Here's he, let it, so tell us again what that's going to be like. How are we gonna how are we gonna shift that? And and wait before we do that, I'm feeling angry. What do I do with that? You're taking a breath. <laughs> You're taking a pause. You have to. You have to create space. Take a long exhale. You are here to guide your child. They don't need you to be the compliance police officer. You're not here to be the corrections officer. You are here to guide them. And a strong-willed child needs special kind of guidance. So they need you. They need you. It's not that they don't need you. They do need you. And the only way you can get into that place of being a coach, of being a guide, is to take that breath. Okay. But I, I, I would say that I feel scared. It's my fear. Okay? I think, she's, I think you're going to hurt yourself. And I really do but- think that. I'm not I'm not making that up. I think that you're going to hurt yourself. That's my perception. So there's danger and I have no control over the danger. And that is scary. So a couple things there. One is is if you really do feel there's true danger and it's absolutely non-negotiable, then that that child comes down, you bring them down from what they're doing in a gentle, compassionate way. You can use your hands, you can bring them down. They might be kicking and screaming. And then you kind of have to weather the storm, you know, of that. And that's okay. But one thing that I think that we really need to ask ourselves, and I'm not you know, condoning letting kids stand on things that are unsafe, but this is a question that's very personal to ask. Am I allowing my kids to take reasonable risks? Or am I bubble wrapping them from every experience? Because strong-willed kids are experiential learners. They learn from cause an effect. I'm not saying we need to have them crack their heads open, you know, to learn a lesson. So again, if it's totally unsafe, you have to bring them down, right? If they're not able to bring them to a place of safety, bring themselves to a place of safety, your number one job is to keep them safe. So bring them down off the counter. But if you think that it's you, there's a potential that you're being overprotective of the risks that they take, then ask yourself the question, am I letting them take a reasonable risk? Yeah, this is a big topic. It's a big subject, something that I can really relate to because I really, a lot of it in my raising my daughter was my own fear uh, and, and how I reacted, reacted to that fear was to, uh, f- I started to feel angry because I was scared. So feeling Absolutely. angry, now I feel scared, I feel angry. I have to take a breath. I have to step back and I have to just do the opposite of what my, what my energy is telling me to do in a way 
and make room for the energy. I guess what you're saying is not do the opposite, but make room by creating a pause. Make room by creating a pause. And what you said makes perfect sense. You're scared. That fear is being translated into anger because you feel that the anger or the manifestation, maybe it's a yell or a scream, is going to protect your daughter, right? I mean, it's totally natural. So taking the pause allows us to figure out, okay, this isn't a life or death situation right now, and how am I going to work with my child and not against them? So take two, you're on the counter, you're getting up, I'm going to, and we'll, we'll try a couple of these things, we'll try a couple of these techniques. So now it's going to be us against that counter or us against that cabinet. Let's try it. Okay. Uh, Reet, what are you doing? You, you have to get down, yeah. honey. Get down, no, honey. I, I have my, my coloring books up there and just getting just a second and just getting my stuff up there. Okay. Just don't worry about it, dad. Don't. Oh, oh. I'm getting my stuff. You don't honey, have to do that. Honey, it's, what? it looks like it's really, it looks like it's really high. And I know you can climb because you're a good climber, it's, but, but how are we going to, how are we going to make this a safer thing? How, because that cabinet is so high up, you know? Yeah, but dad, dad, just watch me. I'm just going to step up here. I do it all the time. Like when you're not around, I do it all the time. I never fall. Watch. I, I'm just going to jump. I'm just going to jump up. Yeah, I know. I know that you can do that because I've seen you do it before and you're a good jumper. You're a very good jumper. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to figure out, uh, I think I probably need to get up there with you. Maybe I'll oh, do that. Oh, no. Dad, come on. I can totally do this. I'm, I'm seven. I know. I mean, you're a big girl. You're a big girl. And you haven't, you know, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to do the things that they do in the, uh, when they're training for the Olympics, you know, when the great athletes are doing, they spot them. They do something called spotting. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get up there and what I'm going to do is spot you. I'm not going to hold you. I'm just going to spot you because I know you can do this on your own. And then we're going to talk about what's going to happen when we want to get up on the counter. Cause I don't climb on the counter. Nobody climbs on the counter, and that's just not something that we're we're gonna do. Okay, we'll do it now. To... We'll do it now. Okay, we're gonna do it okay. now. This is the last time, and I'm gonna spot you like you're in the Olympics. <laughs> I love that. You know, as you guys are listening to this, and I think Ed and I will always say after we jump out of a role play, it might not work out like that at home. It might be messier. You might have you know, your child might be screaming back at you as that's happening. Um, but I will tell you, being on the receiving end of what you just did there, it's a very different experience to have you approach it that way than to come in and start saying to me, get off the counter, get off the counter. And really, it is going to be messy. It's going to be whatever it is. But it's your intention and your tone. You're in the right direction here. You're in the right direction. You're changing the whole dynamic of the transformation of anger into teamwork in a way. And you're changing it from being a controller to a guide. So even if you said all the even if you said things that were not great and you it's the feeling and the underneath that they feel what they feel is you're either reacting or responding. So if you're reacting, they feel that and then they have to protect and they have to fight back. And if you're responding, it disarms the that that kind of frustration that takes place and it gives them room to room to grow, room to breathe. And it gives you room to grow. Yeah. You know, it is really hard to do, Ed, what you just did 
when you're feeling exasperated, when you're in, incredibly frustrated. So absolutely, I think taking that breath and then responding, being able to strategically respond is so key. And I think that outside the moment, you know, it can be exhausting if you are living with a strong-willed child and you have been butting heads day after day after day. So I think one thing that's really important to remember is some of the scientific what what the science says about having a strong will and what some of the beautiful silver linings are for these kids. So can we talk about some of those? Because I think it's really healthy for us to kind of embrace those and lean into them. So the silver linings, uh, you know, what's really going on here? What What is really going on here? And what are the what are the strengths that are coming up? What are the character strengths that are at work in this dynamic? Like what, what's, what's the, the flip side of it? The flip side is, is that you know that you have a child that is not easily swayed by opinion, right? And the translation of that is they are not going to cave to peer pressure very easily. These kids have strong convictions. They have very strong inner voices and they can hear themselves clearly. So you have a kid who is mentally tough, who's not going to be swayed by peer pressure, that you have a child that is going to be able to make decisions. They're usually pretty decisive and they stick to things. You know this because your strong-willed child makes a plan and they want to go through with their plan. So a lot of the strengths of a strong-willed child are the strengths that we see in leaders. They're the strengths that we see in entrepreneurs. You know, so you have a future leader, you have a child that's resilient, you have a child that's going to persist through obstacles, you have a child that is going to challenge the status quo. And I think it's really important for us to remember that we can't regularly ask our kids for blind compliance, just listen to what I say because I'm saying it, and then expect as they get older for them to know when it's time to challenge the status quo, to voice their opinion, to stand for change. So these kids come into the world often with a particular temperament and it develops more over time, but it's not all bad. There's a lot of beautiful things about having a child that's deeply feeling, that's deeply emotional, and that's very strong-willed. So so these are the gifts. These are the gifts. but. You like you mentioned, there's a history of exhaustion. There's a history of exasperation. We've repeated this pattern over and over and over again. So, just the intention of doing it differently is fantastic. Just the intention, you know, and figure out some shorthand for yourself because it will be hard to remember in the moment exactly what to do. So, just remember this you can state the limit, whatever the rule is, whatever the boundary is, whatever the limit is in your house. And then you can ask your child what their plan is because that's giving them a choice. So if the limit is you have to turn the TV off, then it's, you know, hey, it's going to be really tricky in a few minutes. I know it's going to be hard for you, but we have to turn the TV off. What's your plan after that? Or what's your plan to get that done? Or maybe it's time to clean up your room. I know you don't love to do that. What's your plan to get that done? So you have to throw the ball in their court sometimes. And 
you have to kind of give them this anticipation that this thing is coming. Just because you have a strong-willed child doesn't mean you don't have rules or boundaries or limits. It just means that you're kind of leaning into their personality type. You're leaning into who this child is and what their strengths are. Very interesting. And a lot a lot of parents are listening and they're shaking their heads yes and then they're and then they're also shaking their heads no because because look, this is a challenging thing, and you've been living a certain way for a long time, for a while, okay? And the thing about this is, though, if you don't have planning, and I'm thinking about this in my own life, too, if you don't have some kind of conscious planning on your own part of like what you're going to do when it's not stressful, you're going to do the same thing over and over again. Do you like what you're doing over and over? That's the question. If you like it, then I guess that's your answer. Is it, is, it, is it effective? Do you like it? Does the kid feel, does your child feel okay? You know, and if you can look at these things and start to question it a little bit, is it working? Then maybe you can, maybe you can just come up with, and your plan is different than everybody else's. It's, it's tailored to your life. It's not one size fits all at all. But what's the intention? I also think that when it comes to parenting a strong-willed child, there are heavy doses of self-compassion and compassion just all around needed. This type of child, more so maybe than raising any other type of child, leads to self-criticism as a parent. Oh my goodness, I am completely failing as a parent is something I've heard over and over again. I can't get my kid to X, Y, Z. So I think it's so important that we shift that inner monologue. These kids, again, they're learning through experience. That is their number one method of learning. That's what they want. And also we have to release, you know, they are their own person going through their own process and we're not going to be able to control. We aren't. We control ourselves, we control our responses, we control what we, we want to impart, but we're not going to control their experience, how they receive what we're teaching them, and the outcomes for sure we are not controlling. And so there's a lot of compassion, necessary self-compassion especially. I think we're way too hard on ourselves. And one of the biggest things I think we can do, again, is what we're talking about here, is truly really understand who this child is. This child has not come into your life to give you a hard time. They haven't come into your life to manipulate you, to make you, ah, cuckoo birds. They have come in to have intense, passionate, deeply feeling experiences. And, you know, it is important to get to school on time, okay? That's important. What's also important is how you deal with your thoughts and feelings, how you respond to your own thoughts and feelings. You're modeling it for them. That's what they're learning. So if they don't learn that, if you don't learn that, what happens is you have a life that is very, you know, it, it, it's challenging. And you think that parenting is just an impossible job. It's a very hard job. I think for myself, what makes it hard for me is the way I parent not parenting, how I parent, what my thoughts and feelings, what I'm doing with my thoughts and feelings while I'm being a parent. 
I think that I would love for everyone to come back to the idea that this show is called Dear Anger. And really, a lot of this is about self A lot of this is about self-respect. <laughs> I can't speak. A lot of this is about self-reflection and introspection. And we need to ask ourselves, what is it that's making us angry about this, that our child isn't complying, right? And I think we need to go deeper than my child isn't listening. I think the goal really is cooperation, right? So I think that what one of the things that we can do if you're in this situation where you are parenting a strong-willed child and you are getting angry over and over again, then maybe you need a dear anger moment. Dear anger, this is what is going on with me. What are you trying to tell me? What message are you trying to send me? Start to have a conversation with that emotion. That's fantastic. Dear anger. Uh, And just in the title, you're getting the relationship, right? It's not horrible anger. We were going to call it that. Um, It's not awful anger. We've tested a lot of these titles. But dear anger, this is and this is it. It's something that's giving you a message. Anger gets a bad rap. You say this all the time, Rainey. It's got it's got a lot of bad press because what you're witnessing in media and in the world around you is people that don't have a relationship with their anger. In fact, they want to squash it. They're afraid of it. And because of that, they act out. So if you, that's what we're trying to what we're trying to deal with here. And a lot of these things are this is what's underneath the anger. That's right. I'd love before we wrap up to actually play another clip, but maybe take some of what we've been talking about and listen through the lens of a, a different perspective of this child or this teen that we're going to hear in a moment. It's time to wrap Mom, up the phone. just let me finish, okay? God, I'll be done when I'm done. No, you will not. You'll be done at nine o'clock. It's a stupid rule. You know it's dumb. Everyone's, everyone is still talking. Everyone is up. Everyone stays up way later than nine o'clock anyway. I don't care what other people do in their house business. In this house, we're done at nine o'clock. You know what? I don't want to be in this house anymore. Well, that's fine. No. Give me Don't that. touch it. Give me this. Phone. I'm taking a BuzzFeed quiz. You give me that phone. I don't know what that means. So what's going on for the kid? What, what is the kid trying to do? This kid is just trying to relate to her friends like all teens are relating to one another, you know, or many teens are relating to one another and doing what they're doing, which is talking on her phone, you know, and she just wants to be part of the crew and she doesn't understand why she can't set her own boundaries. And for the mom, the challenge is, again, not to walk into that room and think, my goodness, my kid isn't listening to my rules. They're not complying with my rules. I said nine o'clock, they should be off. So the shift needs to be, it's not me against them. It's us against this phone. And once we do that, we're able to make a shift. But for the child, it's, they're not thinking about the parent at all, right? For that teen, she's just like, I'm on the phone with my friends. You're walking in here and telling me not to be on my phone with my friends. I feel like I can make that decision myself. And so some acknowledgement of that by the parent. So I know you want to connect with your friends. I see that you want to connect with your friends. And I know you love taking BuzzFeed quizzes. Who doesn't? Even if you don't know what it is. Um, I know that you love those quizzes. And they're really fun. Listen, we definitely, you have to be doing that. That's important to connect with your friends. I need to connect with my friends. And there's a time when we stop. 
And the time is five minutes from now. And that is the voice of a coach. That's the voice of a guide. So you walk in there and you're like, I need to coach this child. I know I need to coach my, you know, my teen. I know that it's going to be better for them to be off the phone. It's going to be better for their brain. They're going to get more sleep. So there's all the reasons why you want them off, right? It's not just, I have the power in this house and you listen to me. You, you're doing it for their good. And that's great. And But when you walk in with the mindset of being a coach, your response is completely different. I need to help them because this thing is addictive. And even if everyone else is on, maybe there's some peer pressure there, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to help them toward it. And all of those things that you said, you know, empathy, stepping in with empathy, being a little bit curious, and then saying, and we're still going to get off. And maybe you can actually help them figure out with the quiz which friend's character they're most like. (laughs) <laughs> very important. <laughs> it's a very important part of the quiz. So you'll get it. You'll get around to it as a parent. You could get around to it. But coaching, like you're saying, I mean, that that's just, uh, you know, I used to have a professor who said, uh, be an askable parent. Askable was his word. And, and you know, the kid knows that they can come to you with anything. Well, the way that they know that they can come to you with anything is you're coming to them in a, in a way where you're seeing their needs and you're seeing what, they, what they're like and what they're about. Well, I think we have solved uh, all of the world's problems for parents that have strong-willed kids. So well, that's probably going to be a wrap, right? Yeah, that's a wrap. Uh, this, is, this is an ongoing conversation, and this will happen throughout the series. It'll happen. We're going to touch on this in every show. But you listen to the title and you know what this is about. Transforming anger has many components to it. And uh, it's going to go a lot of different places. But remember, it's Dear Anger. It's not I Hate You Anger, which was the working title. And remarkably, anger can be a tool of deep connection. And I'm sure that's something you've never heard before. It can get you to deeply connect with yourself and your own values and what's important to you and even to connect with your child. So we recommend really getting in touch with anger, talking to anger, thinking about anger, hanging out with anger, you know, having a coffee with anger, all of those things. And so if you like what you heard, you can catch more of it at bit.ly B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash dear anger. Very good. Well, that's it. That's our show. We're going to have to have some anger merchandise coming up soon. I don't know what it's going to be. Uh, It's going to be, uh, I don't know what it's going to be, but it'll be something. It'll be Twister. Uh, It'll be emotional Twister. And wait till you see Right Foot Blue. It'll be something. Um, So keep listening and let us know, let us know what's going on with you because we want to help. I think that's it, guys. Think that's Thank it. you, Ed. Pleasure, Rini. Great to talk with you. And uh, I'm about to climb up on the cabinet. <laughs> um, do you want to say this is Ed Krasnick and this is Rini Jane? I don't know if we need. Yes, this is Ed Krasnick. <laughs> and this is. And uh, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. this is Rini Jane. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. This is the time. This is the place. Dear Anger. We'll see you soon. Bye, guys. Thank you.